is my joy to welcome you to today's podcast. Our prayer is that the Lord will minister to you in a special way during our time together. I want to take this opportunity to wish each one of you a very blessed New Year. And I want to say thank you to Pastor Shibu for the beautiful message last Sunday. What a, what a glorious way to enter into the New Year with those wonderful scriptures. And I was, I was so blessed. I've been praying and saying, Lord, what's your word? What, what do you have to say to us as we step into this new year as a church? And only one small word repeated itself in my spirit, the word oil. Now, I'm not talking about oil like they have an abundance of in the Middle East and the rest of the world is clamoring for it, not that oil. I want to talk about the oil that we read about in the Word of God. And I'm beginning with a beautiful little story that you find in 2 Kings. But before that, let's just have a word of prayer. Shall we do that? Father, we thank you today. We thank you for your presence in each home and in each heart. And now as we just come before you, Lord, we we pray that you'll just open your word and just that we'll receive wonderful truths out of your word today to the glory of God, to the building of your kingdom, we pray in Jesus' mighty name. Amen. If you would turn with me, if you have your Bibles with you or whatever device you're using, to 2 Kings chapter 4. And I want to read this story. I'm going to start reading at verse 1, 2 Kings chapter 4 and verse 1. The wife of a man from the company of the prophets, cried out to Elisha, Your servant, my husband, is dead, and you know that he revered the Lord. But now his creditor is coming to take my two boys as slaves. Elisha replied to her, How can I help you? Tell me, what do you have in your house? Your servant has nothing there at all, she said, except a small jar of olive oil. Elisha said, Go around and ask all your neighbors for empty jars. Don't ask for just a few. Then go inside and shut the door behind you and your sons. Pour oil into all the jars, and as each is filled, put it to one side. She left him and shut the door behind her and her sons. They brought the jars to her, and she kept pouring. When all the jars were full, she said to her son, Bring me another one. But he replied, There is not a jar left. Then the oil stopped flowing. She went and told the man of God, and he said, Go, sell the oil, and pay your debts. You and your sons can live on what is left. This story tells, first of all, about a great need. This is the story, actually, of the plight in a preacher's home. The, the, the man that died was a man of the company of the prophets. And you can imagine the plight of this poor widow. Her husband probably had been a small farmer, as most of the villagers were in that part of Israel. The Bible does not tell us why he had accumulated a heavy debt. Even back then, people had credit problems. Maybe some lean years forced him to borrow in order to plant a new crop. But his sudden death left his family without support and without income. And here she was crying to the prophet, now his creditor is coming. The creditor actually was the moneylender. And the moneylender took all they had, but it was not enough. According to Hebrew law, a creditor could take the debtor and his children as servants. 
but he was not allowed to treat them as slaves. Now, just think how heartbreaking it would be for this woman, not only to lose her husband, but to lose her two sons to servitude. However, I believe there is an even bigger story here. It is the story of a bigger family than the prophet's family. This is the story of the church and her need, her problem. There are so many without God and without peace in our world. They're weary and burdened. We see them all around us. The businessman, the housewife, the drug addict, the alcoholic, the prostitute, the juvenile delinquent, the divorcee, the prisoner, the list goes on and on. And the sick. It seems the world is full of sick people, not only the millions that are affected right now by COVID-19, but those afflicted with cancer, the sick with diabetes and arthritis, with leukemia, those broken by nervous exhaustion and depression, the demon-possessed with their distorted minds. Their problem is bigger than society can bear. And the world looks to the church of Jesus Christ. The creditor has come. Is there an answer in the house. Verse 2 gives a very generous offer. It says this, And Elijah said, How can I help you? Those are nice words, aren't they? Comforting words. How can I help you? And then he goes on to say this, to ask this question. Tell me, what do you have in your house? God so often begins with what we already have. Elisha's question is similar to the one that God asked Moses when he met him at the burning bush. What is that in your hand? He asked Moses. He used that simple shepherd's staff to accomplish great things. Before Jesus fed the 5,000, he asked, How many loaves do you have? God's purpose is not to discover our poverty or our insufficiency. He knows that already. But in his love, he wants to show us what he can do if we yield to him the little we have. I want you to notice the widow's inventory. It's there in verse, the second part of verse two. I have nothing there at all except a little pot of oil. At first glance, it seems to emphasize the widow's total lack of any resources. That that little bit of oil worth almost nothing, it was mentioned, I think, like just as an afterthought, probably with a rather apologetic tone, except a little pot of oil. Sounds like a very sad inventory. I've actually titled my message this morning, Only a Small Jar of Oil. I'd like you for just a moment to look at the inventory of the early church. I think what that widow's inventory was sounds a bit like the early church. Nothing in the house, no church buildings, no sound systems, no financial backing, nothing except a small jar of oil. I'm afraid if we ask the same question of the church today, the answer would be the reverse. Everything in the house except a small jar of oil. We have our buildings. We have the latest uh, sound equipment. We have our musical instruments. We have our worship teams, our programs, our events. But do we have the oil? Oil is one of the symbols of the Holy Spirit. 
Do we have the presence, the anointing, and the power of the Holy Spirit in our churches and in our lives? I want to just take a moment and think about why we need the Holy Spirit. Do I need the oil? The Holy Spirit is the source of the fruit of love, joy, peace, perseverance, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control in your life. The Holy Spirit gives you strength to live a consecrated, holy life. He distributes the wonderful ministry gifts of uh, the word of wisdom, the word of knowledge, and faith. The gifts of healing and the working of miracles, of prophecy and discerning of spirits and of speaking and interpretation of tongues. All of those things work through the Holy Spirit. It is the Holy Spirit who gives power for witnessing. There's so many more, but those are some of the great ones. Is this precious oil important? Beloved, without the Holy Spirit, there would be no Bible. There would be no faith. There would be no new birth, no holiness, no Christian witness in all of the world. In short, there wouldn't be any Christians at all. As we look at the need of our world, the question is, are we depending on our own ability, on our own talents, and, and what we can do? Or are we looking at the supernatural manifestation of the Holy Spirit? Does the oil flow in our church, in New Life Assembly of God. I want you to take a moment right now and do an oil check in your own life. Perhaps you might be leaning on a wife, a husband, a mother, or a father, a pastor, an evangelist, a church, or a godly friend. How suddenly the words of this story could be yours, thy servant, my husband, is dead. How quickly the things we're depending upon can be just swept away. And, I, you know, the question is, how will I carry on? How will I meet my obligation? How will I fulfill my testimony before the world? What is in your house, beloved, that you can depend upon? I'll never forget how gently the Holy Spirit spoke to me after Pastor Stubbs died. When I told him all of my, I can'ts, I can't preach like pastor, and I can't do this and that. The Holy Spirit said this to me. Were you depending on your husband, or are you depending upon me? Think about the Church of Jesus Christ in North Korea, in China, in Iran, many countries, actually. Property has been confiscated from them. Their churches have been destroyed. You see it on the Internet. Leaders have been imprisoned. Contact with Christian friends is forbidden. What is left? Beloved, they have a jar of oil. The answer today is, this, is the same today as it was in the second chapter of Acts when the church faced an antagonistic Jerusalem with utter dependence on the moving of the Holy Spirit. Think about that New Testament church. It was a persecuted church early on. Stephen was martyred. Not long after, James, the brother of John, was killed with the sword. The apostles were beaten, imprisoned, stoned. How did they remain victorious and turn their world upside down? They had a jar of oil. And the answer was in the miracle flow 
of that oil. Friend, there is no answer for the needs of the world without the presence and the anointing of the Holy Spirit. A great promise. Look at verses 3 and 4. This was a command that Elisha gave. Go, ask all your neighbors for empty jars. And then this very interesting sentence, don't ask for just a few. Then go inside and shut the door behind you. Pour oil into all the jars. Really the key here as the key to all victory was faith. The exercise of faith is action. Look at the action words. Go, ask, then you're supposed to come in. Well, it says in the uh, King James NIV, go in and pour the oil. Action verbs. The exercise of faith is twofold. Go out, get the jars, come in, shut the door. And faith was to send them to every neighbor who had an empty vessel. One thing that I find so interesting is that the flow starts only when they would get alone, when they would shut the door. So often we see the move of God when we're alone with God. Perhaps this miracle was not to be given public attention because it was to meet a private need at that time. And I think so often in the church today, there really is a danger of too much display. Uh, It brings, you know, sensationalism. We want to make everything so big. God wants you to go in, beloved, sometimes and shut the door, to be alone with him, to really have that personal relationship with him. It reminds me of Jesus' instructions to his disciples about prayer. He said, but when you pray, go into your room and close the door and pray to your father who is unseen. Then your father who sees what is done in secret will reward you openly. Notice promises that Jesus left to the church before he went away. Do not leave Jerusalem, but wait for the gift my father promised. In a few days, you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit. Then he talked about the things that God would do for them. Whoever believes, he said, and is baptized, will be saved. He went on in that same passage to say, they will speak in new tongues. Another promise that Jesus made before he went away, they will place their hands on the sick and they will get well. I hope that they did not turn to a helpless, powerless church that would be able would say today what a certain parent said to Jesus when he was on earth. Do you remember? He came to Jesus and he said, Master, I brought you my son. He's possessed by a spirit that throws him to the ground. I ask your disciples to drive out the spirit, but they could not. Now, notice the difference after the oil was poured out on the day of Pentecost, when Peter and James faced A lame man, he was lame from birth. They said, silver and gold I do not have, but what I have I give you in the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth. Rise up and walk. The difference, the oil 
made in their lives. Beloved, this uneasy world wants action. The world is weary of words and programs and seminars. The answer to this question, what can I do for you, should not be difficult for us to answer. We just need to lift up our voices and say, Lord, send a revival of the book of Acts power so that signs and wonders may be done in the name of your holy child, Jesus. The next two verses talk about a great provision. I love these verses. Verse 5, look at the abundant supply for the widow. They brought the jars to her and she kept pouring. (laughs) I love that. She kept pouring. The sons kept bringing the empty jars to their mother and she kept pouring. Notice the flow of oil only ceased when they ran out of empty vessels. She said, bring me another one. And they said, there's none left. Then the oil ran out. The amount of oil was limited by the number of vessels she had. We often think that if we just have one great act of faith, that's all we need to receive all that God has for us. I think many times we stop short of what God intends for us. Now I want to talk about the abundant supply for the church. For that, we really have to turn to Acts chapter 2. I want to read those beautiful verses because this is where the oil was poured out in abundance. Acts chapter 2, and I'm going to read verses 1 to 4. When the day of Pentecost came, they were all together in one place. Suddenly, a sound like the blowing of a violent wind came from heaven and filled the whole house where they were sitting. They saw what seemed to be tongues of fire that separated and came to rest on each of them. All of them were filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in other tongues as the Spirit enabled them. When the day of Pentecost came, that promise of Jesus was fulfilled. Now, how did the people in the upper room know that they had received the promised Holy Spirit? How did the people outside the upper room know? What was the evidence? It's there in verse 4. They began to speak in other tongues. I want to mention this. There were two great manifestations, the wind and the fire. But if you notice, they're never mentioned again in the book of Acts. I believe that was a one-time event at the initial outpouring of the Holy Spirit. But what amazed the crowd, what made news all over the city of Jerusalem, or what you see throughout the book of Acts when the people are baptized in the Holy Spirit, was the this was the amazing thing i read it in, i read it down in verse 8 each of us hears them in our own native language it was the tongues that's why we call speaking in tongues the evidence of the baptism of the holy spirit as i was preparing this message though there was a word that struck me i've never thought of it really like this before chapter I mean, Acts 2, we read in verse 4, all of them were, what? Filled with the Holy Spirit. Not a dribble, not a few drops, not a little. They were filled. I love that word. We read it again in chapter 6. The apostles were selecting men to minister to the widows. 
verse 3 of chapter 6, choose seven men from among you who are known to be what? Full of the Spirit. The inference there is there are others who are not full of the Spirit of God. I, I just think, beloved, that if the blessings are no longer flowing, if new blessings and gifts and graces are not apparent in your life, it may be, be that your oil level is down a little bit. Let us heed Paul's advice to the Ephesian believers. Be filled with the Spirit. I want you to notice the great obligation. I'm going to read verse 7. When the oil stopped flowing, the widow went and told the man of God, and he said, Go, sell the oil, and pay your debts. You and your sons can live on what is left. The widow had a debt to pay. When she sold the oil, she had enough money to pay off the debt and to maintain herself and her two sons. That wonderful, abundant supply of oil shows that the Lord was concerned not only with her emergency need, but with her daily needs as well. He saw that as a widow, she would have no income, no employment. The abundance of oil would take care of her living until her sons could take care of her. What a good God we serve. I want you to notice the church's obligation. Every believer has a debt to pay to his fellow man. The Apostle Paul says it in Romans chapter 1 and verse 14. I am a debtor. The NIV expresses it this way. I am obligated to the Greeks and non-Greeks, to the wise and the unwise. Jesus, the head of this family, contracted the obligation which has been passed on to the church since Calvary. All the promises to save, to heal, to sanctify, to baptize, they're his promises. He made them, and then he went away, and he left a struggling little family in an upper room to face all of these obligations. The responsibility the church carries toward this world is a responsibility that is in the first place Christ's. Christ made the promises, and the world has come to collect. It is up to you and to me, beloved, to see that they are fulfilled. Each one of us must ask himself today, what do I have in the house? Is my oil tank full? What do we have that will meet the needs of a clamoring world. The great theologian, Dr. Lyman Beecher, was asked on his deathbed, Dr. Beecher, will you please tell us what you consider the greatest work a man can do in this world? The greatest work a man can do in this world, he replied, is to lead a soul to Jesus. Beloved, the world has the vessels and God has the oil. It is our responsibility to get the oil in to the vessels. By God's grace, I intend to go out and bring in some of those empty vessels this year.
I want to win more souls to Jesus Christ than I have ever done in any other year of my life. The world is asking for an answer from you, your family, your friends, those on the street where you live, in the office or the job to which you're employed, maybe your next-door neighbor. There is an honest debt to be paid. The creditor is come. You and I have an obligation to meet. The wonderful thing is this. There is a miraculous way to fulfill our obligation. We have a jar of oil. Hallelujah. The flow of God's Holy Spirit can meet every need of spirit, soul, and body. Beloved, what do you need today? Perhaps you think before I go out and look for empty vessels, my vessel's empty. I just want to say this to you as we close today. Why don't you just shut yourself in with God today? Believe Him to fill you with oil sufficient to meet every need that you can bring to Him. And even overflowing so that you can meet the needs of those around you who are looking to you for help. Elisha said, Go, sell the oil, and pay your debt. The Church of Jesus Christ will always meet the need of this world as long as it depends upon that miracle flow of the Holy Spirit. Let us pray. Precious Heavenly Father, as we step into this new year, it's a year that we know that's filled with new challenges, also filled with new opportunities. Lord, we just cast ourselves at your feet today. And this we pray, Lord, fill us. Fill us with your Spirit. Lord, we want to enter this year with a fresh anointing of the Holy Spirit. Lord, we need you today. Lord, we cannot face a needy world until we have faced you and we've been filled with your Spirit. Lord, I just pray that you will help us to love like you love. Help us to serve like you serve. We just pray that today you will just put that longing in our heart, Lord, to be filled with the Spirit. And we thank you, Lord, that you will meet each one, that your word promises that those who hunger and thirst after righteousness will be filled for this. We give you praise. Bless your church today. Lord, use us for the glory of God. We thank you. We ask this in Jesus' mighty and precious name. Amen. God bless you. Thank you for taking time to listen. If you would like more information about our church or would like to make a comment, please mail us at info at newlifeag.org. God bless you.